This episode of the Fresh Start Family Show is brought to you by our Quick Start Learning Bundle, how to build a compassionate, firm, and kind discipline toolkit that works with kids of all ages. Head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your Quick Start Bundle so you can get going today on building up a strong, compassionate, discipline toolkit in your home. Well, hello, families. Thanks for being here and listening to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am your host, Wendy Snyder, certified parenting educator and family life coach. I'm so happy that you're here. I am bringing you an interview that was so fun to do with Kim Hopkins, who is a licensed clinical social worker. And gosh, you guys, she was awesome. This conversation that we had just lit me up. We recorded this actually the morning after the raid happened on Capitol Hill that just had my heart in knots. And the information that she brings to the table and her approach and her spirit and um, just everything that she's all about and what she is promoting in the world and the way she is spreading light just brought me so much joy. And I just knew I wanted to publish this one fast so I could get it into your hands. So we are talking about how to handle challenging kids and challenging misbehavior. And um, I just know that you're going to love Kim. So thanks for listening. Make sure you leave us a review if you have any time possible. It usually takes under three minutes to head on over to iTunes, leave us a review. I read each and every single one of your reviews, guys. It's a great way to um, basically just say a virtual thank you. Um, It helps us get seen in the iTunes world, iTunes world, and when we get seen, we are able to help and bring light and support to more and more families from all over the world. So thank you for leaving us a review. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for sharing our show with your friends and family. Without further ado, enjoy this episode. Well, hey there, I'm Stella. Welcome to my mom and dad's podcast, The Fresh Start Family Show. We're so happy you're here. We're inspired by the ocean, Jesus, and rock and roll, and believe deeply in the true power of love and kindness. Together, we hope to inspire you to expand your heart, learn new tools, and strengthen your family. Enjoy the show. Well, hey there, families, and welcome to a new episode of the Fresh Start Family Show. I am so excited to be here with Kim Hopkins today. Welcome, Kim. Thanks for having me. Yes. So Kim is a licensed clinical social worker, and she's doing some incredible work in the world. And today she's going to talk to us about how the heck we can handle challenging behavior and challenging kids um, through what she calls her collaborative and proactive solutions model. So I'm excited to have this conversation with you, Kim. I know you're just a wealth of knowledge. And I wanted to just kind of start off by having you share a little bit more about your journey. Um, Like I said, I know you're doing some wonderful work in the world to support families. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about how you got to where you are today and what you do on a day-to-day basis? Sure. I'm glad you asked because I wasn't always trained this way, which I like to tell people about. This was not what I was taught in school. Um, This was not what Dr. Green was taught in school. And Dr. Ross Green is the one who authored the model. Um, And I worked in residential care 
um, for a few years out of school. And we were noticing a few things. First of all, we were restraining kids, meaning holding them on the floor a lot. Um, we had 12 programs across a couple different um, cities in Massachusetts, and we were restraining kids about 400 times a year, um, resulting in a lot of injuries. Um, I myself wow. had my nose broken in a restraint. Um, and we oh were. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, uh, I was like 20 something. Um, but, you know, we were kind of thinking, you know, restraint is not as therapeutic as it's as we're being taught it is. And how come we're restraining the same kids over and over and over again? And we're getting hurt. They're getting hurt. You know, we're leaving the the field because of it, right? We're, we're changing jobs often. So we were thinking about that. Um, at about the same time, the state of Massachusetts recontracts with residential providers every seven-ish years um, or so, which gives them the chance to ask providers to do something different, um, try new models, incorporate cutting edge research, that kind of thing. And so that was happening too. And the state was asking us to pick an evidence-based portable treatment model, evidence-based meaning rooted in science, portable meaning that it didn't just work at the residential facility where there's a ton of staff around, that it also worked in homes and in foster homes and in community-based schools, right? So that it worked across settings. The model that we subscribed to did not fit that. So we had to think about that a little bit. And it was serendipity that um, uh, an old colleague of mine emailed me and said, hey, um, I've heard this guy speak. He's really good. If you need credits for your license, you might as well go hear him. And I said, well, all right, because I've been to many workshops that felt were like they were a waste of time. So I really liked when people made recommendations. And also, um, so he was talking about Dr. Ross Green, and he was talking in Freeport, Maine, which if anybody knows that area, that's the home of L.L. Bean and some really great shopping. So I thought, well, if he's terrible, I'll just leave early and <laughs> go shopping. Nice. <laughs> um, but he was not terrible. And about 15 minutes in, I was like, I have just found the answers to everything that we were grappling oh. with. Um, we also were noticing that kids who did make gains with us when they went to a lower level of care, like a less restrictive setting, whether it was from group home to um, independent living or it was going unifying back home or going from our therapeutic school back to their community school, they often lost the gains they made. And so we found the collaborative and proactive solutions model and went, this is what we need to do. Let's start. Right. And it was... Um, a few, it, it was it was difficult to implement. Um, I, I made some errors that I now see, of course, looking back on it many, many yeah. years later um, and having implemented the model in lots of places since. Um, we bit off more than we can chew, that kind of thing. But even not being real good at it took us maybe year, year and a half. We reduced restraints by 75%. Um, oh my we gosh, not, that's amazing. Yeah, and we were not done. So, um, and- and what working with that population did for me was tell me that if we adults change our perspective on why we think kids are challenging, then we are opened up to create interventions that actually have a shot of working. And so, um, you know, I worked with some of the most difficult kids you will come across, you know, kids who had been to jail, kids who had been in a locked hospital settings, kids who had been expelled from public school for life. You know, um, I hate to say it like this, but it really is true. They kind of looked 
sort of like not home in their eyes, like a little dead, you know, because they had given up on themselves because everybody had given up on them. Right. And it wasn't until we changed the way we thought about them and then intervened with them differently. They came back to life. Like the spark was back. Right. Wow. And yeah, it, it just gave me the confidence I needed to, um, you know, just know that we were, it was a hard path, but we were on the right path. And um, yeah. And that was sort of, sort of how I, how I landed here. I ended up going to work for Dr. Green and, and helping to teach his model um, both on site and virtually. That was about, I was trying to do the math. I think it was in um, 2007. Um, So it's been a little while. Yeah. And then about six, seven years ago, I also became the director of outreach and communications for his nonprofit lives in the balance, which by the way, Anything we talk about today, you can find out more about on the livesinthebalance.org website. The complete model is on there for free, um, awesome. video, audio, downloads. So I don't want to forget to mention that. So, wow, that's incredible, Kim. So I have a question, a few questions for you so I can better understand. So the, the centers that you were doing this work in, so tell, share with me more um, when it comes to the kids that ended up needing your help. Um, so were these centers that were like, um, like uh, the parents were got to a point where they said, we don't know what to do anymore. So they actually sent them to a facility where they lived there. And then in combination, you also went into homes. Like, tell me a little bit more about um, these kids that you were, um, you know, um, asked to help. Sure. Initially, it was um what was, would be considered out-of-home placement of a couple different varieties where um, kids exceeded the capacity of their communities, you know, whether they were living with parents or, um, or substitute caregivers, that they just had such grave behavioral and emotional challenges. Um, so that's where I was running into them. But I was working with homes at that point to try to say, you know, they're, teach them this model. There are some things that you can be doing so we can get things to go better so it's safe to have them home, right? Um, in the course of my career with Dr. Green, we've implemented the model, hospitals, residentials for sure, but regular public schools, homes awesome. with families in clinics. Um, we even worked with some police <laughs> at one point. So um, yes. yeah, so like, a, you know, across all settings and you know, what's misleading, if you know anything about his model, his first book was called The Explosive Child. And a lot of people think, well, my kid doesn't explode, so it's not gonna work. Um, it's misleading and it was an editor's choice of the title. So um, it's more about um, less about what behavior the child shows. You know, your kid could be a sulker, which is on the low end, right, of maladaptive behavior and still benefit from this model. Yes. Oh my goodness. Amazing. Okay. So let's jump right into this model. Um, So talk to us about how challenging kids are challenging because they're lacking the skills not to be challenging. If they had the skills, they wouldn't be challenging because, and here is perhaps the key theme of the model that you shared with us, kids do well if they can. Tell us a little bit more about this. That's right. That's really our mantra. Um, It's based on 50 plus years of research across multiple disciplines that has unfortunately been slow to make it into mainstream, but I'm happy to report we're seeing quite a movement, a good positive movement in that regard. Um, So we like to say, keep your kids do well if they can lenses on. 
Um, what do we mean by that? Well, if, if you're witnessing a kid not doing well, we want you thinking something's getting in their way. They, you know, they want to be doing well. They're not doing well. Something's getting in their way. The most important thing I can do as their adult helper is to figure out what's getting in their way, right? As opposed to the opposite, which is kids do well if they want to. Right. And so that's how I was taught. Frankly, that's how Dr. Green was taught in school too, that if a kid, if a kid's doing well, it's because they want to. And when she's not doing well, it's because she doesn't want to. And we, as the adult helpers, our only option, if we believe kids do well, if they want to, is to make them want to. And I like to say I was in the make them want to business for a long time. What do you do (laughs) as an adult helper when you're in the make them want to business? Well, you reward the behavior you like, you consequence the behavior you don't like, right? Carrots and sticks. And if the, if it doesn't work, you just up the ante, you get more creative, right? With your carrots and your sticks and, you know, kind of hold your breath and pray. Um, our model says, no, 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 they already want to. They would do well if they could look at all this research that tells you what gets in the way. Kids who have behavioral challenges lack skills, Yes. Oh my goodness. That's so good. Yeah. And if we figure out, yes, we want to figure out what skills they're lacking, but really we want to figure out when it's playing out, you know? So we like to say that, you know, you could have an expectation um, and the kid's not meeting it. That's when lacking, lacking skills are playing out. Right. So let's, let's solve that unmet expectation. We call it an unsolved problem. Right. And if we solve that, we're going to prevent the behavior in the first place. And that's kind of our goal. We call it an upstream model, meaning it's sort of loosely based on a fable where there's the community that lives upstream and a community that lives downstream. And the downstream community, they look over in the water because there's a lot of shouting for people are calling for help. They're drowning. So the downstream mm-hmm. community, they gear up. They're, they're trying to rescue people from drowning, right? And they're really tired and they're not saving everybody, but they're doing their best. What they don't do is get out of the water and dry off and walk upstream and say to the upstream community, how come people who can't swim are falling in the water? So in our model, we say, go upstream. What are you going to find upstream? Unsolved problems due to lagging skills, right? And so if we solve those problems that are pushing kids in the water, when they're in their behavior, they're in the water. So if we solve those problems, they won't get pushed in the water. And that's the focus of our model. So amazing. So um, I have some questions. So this reminds me um, of just, you know, the parents I work with with in my programs, and I'm a positive parenting educator and family life coach, we always start here, right, with the paradigm shifting of because the traditional approach does teach you, right, that like kids know exactly what they're doing. And, um, you know, in order to make them behave better, you must first make them feel worse, right? Which is like the consequences or the punishment side of things. or um, And then of course, there's a whole bunch of rewards and bribery often sprinkled mm-hmm. in there if you're doing the traditional approach of parenting. Um, but I love how this is talking about getting to the root of the problem. And so my question for you is um, in your work and Dr. Green's model and, and this incredible um, work that you're doing, do you find that the underlying needs 
of the child are often not being met because that's what with the the um, work I teach, it's rooted in Dreikers psychology, all about the the basic needs, the need to belong, the need to feel, feel powerful. Those are kind of the two biggest ones that I see show up all the time. Are those needs something you guys look at a lot as far as if a kid is really having behavioral challenges? Do you find that it's often they're lacking that, um, like they have a strong desire to feel powerful and they're not getting any of their bucket filled or the belonging piece or even like the being loved or feeling loved or feeling unconditional loved. Let's chat for a hot sec, openly and honestly, about what your discipline toolkit looks like in your home right now. If you're anything like most parents, you're relying on the hand-me-down set you inherited. Timeouts, spankings, threatening of spankings, taking iPads away, three, two, one countdowns, groundings, taking away toys, e-bikes, iPhones, any or all of those kind of tactics that create a total relationship strain and don't even work long-term to end your child's misbehavior for good. Meaning you might spank your child or send them to timeout today for being air quotes mean to their sister or disrespecting you. But then three days from now, they're repeating the same misbehavior, which causes you to flip your lid because you know they know better. I want to help you learn a new way so you can end the vicious cycle that's keeping you stuck as a parent and causing you to feel super frustrated that nothing is working to get your strong-willed, stubborn child to behave better. My team and I have recently completely refreshed our Compassionate Discipline Quick Start Learning Bundle to help you learn a new way to teach your kids important life lessons, a new way to help your children learn from their mistakes and take responsibility for their actions. You can just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, and I'll personally send you a message with a link to download this free bundle. I'm going to help you shift out of a punishment mindset and into a compassionate discipline one where you fully trust that connection-based firm and kind discipline tools are all you need to be a strong leader in your home who holds your kids responsible when they misbehave, but does it in a way where they are learning the vital life skills they are missing when they mess up. So again, just DM me the word shift over on Instagram. I'm at Fresh Start Wendy, or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free bundle now. I am so excited for you to shift out of feeling guilty and shameful when you lay your head on your pillow at night and shift into feeling confident and proud of the way you handled yourself as a parent, even when you were wildly triggered and upset about the mistake your child made. Okay, I'm excited for you to dive into this free resource. I'll see you in my DMs and inside the free discipline bundle. We talk about that in terms of the phrase that's thrown around, natural consequences. Uh-huh. So a lot of people will say, well, if a kid breaks a window, it's the natural consequence that he pay for the window. And we say, no, no, no. Natural consequences are things that adult intervention does not even play in. They happen without adult intervention. So yes. we talk about things like the desire to belong, the desire to fit in, the desire not to disappoint the people that you love, Right. Those are all real, true, natural consequences, but they don't hold kids in place who don't have the skills, right? So we look at, you know, if a kid is not socially successful, there's a host of social skills they might be missing. They might not know how to read social cues. They might not know how to enter a conversation or start a conversation or resolve um, 
disagreements without conflict. These are things that can be taught. And once we teach them, suddenly they're socially successful and they get to experience all those beautiful things that you just talked about that are really important. Nice. And then when they go down the river, they're actually swimming instead of drowning. (laughs) (laughs) We say they don't even go in at all. (laughs) They're dry walking around. I love it. Oh, that is so good. Okay. That, that is, that is a great answer. Okay. So talk to us about um, your next incredible point of wisdom, which is challenging kids are challenging when the frustration they experience in trying to meet certain expectations, exceed the skills they have to deal adaptively with that frustration. Yeah. So we call it, you know, so the why, why they're challenging is they're lacking skills not to be. When are they challenging when those skills are being demanded of them? So we call it the clash of the two forces. And we actually use like two arrows to sort of illustrate it where, you know, we, we put an expectation on the kid, which is probably perfectly reasonable, right? And something we need to be doing as parents, right? Yet it outstrips their skills to meet the expectation. You have the clash of the two forces, they land in the water. So you know, yep. I'll, I'll go in and, and I'll be told, well, this kid is challenging from the moment she wakes up to the moment she goes to sleep. Turns out when we slow it down, she's not. She's not challenging when she's playing Legos. Right. right? <laughs> she's not challenging when she's watching TV. You know, um, she's not challenging when she's eating. Right. There are pockets of times where you're asking her to do things or rather maybe not asking her to do things when she's not challenging. When she's challenging is when an expectation is put on her that's outstripping her skills, which actually doesn't just apply to challenging kids. It applies to all of us. <laughs> like yes. sometimes expectations are put on us that outstrip our skills. And we even as adults who are highly functional fall in the water, right? Um, maybe we're not punching people over it, I hope, um, but that we might be yeah. doing something that's not super healthy for us, you know? So um, keeping in mind the clash of the two forces, you know, so the, the biggest role an adult helper can play in the life of a behaviorally challenging kid is to figure out the why and figure out the when answer those questions. Why is he challenging? When is he challenging? We have a tool, it's called the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems or the LSEP for short, all on the website, downloadable PDF fillable version, if you like that. Um, Awesome. And there's a guide too, that kind of helps you. Plus we have video that tells you how to use it. Um, And so that's really where, and it's not a step to be skipped if you've got a challenging kid, because you probably have lots of unsolved problems and you're going to want to get them down so you can create a plan because it isn't, while it's a very effective model and there's 25 years of independent research showing how effective this model is across, um, across environments, it's not magic. <laughs> I'm not yes. here saying if your kid has 50 unsolved problems, which by the way, is not unusual that you're going to take care of them all at once. I'm actually saying you're not. I'm saying get it all down because then you're going to prioritize and decide what one or two are you going to work on first because there really is no capacity to go beyond that. When you get those going better, you solve those problems, which by the way, indirectly teaches skills. You only have to worry about how do I teach this skill? No, 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 don't even worry about it. It indirectly teaches skills when you solve those problems using the three steps of our model. And then once they're solved, you can go and pick another one to add 
um, into the mix, you know, so you're not going to solve 50 unsolved problems at once. Um, it's, it's a little bit yeah. slow going yet it is pro- forward progress and it is amazing. Mm, so amazing. I think back to, as you're, you're talking about all this, um, to my older brother. So my older brother was five years older than me. Um, and he was definitely a challenging kid, had challenging behavior his whole life. He's, he's, um, well, I shouldn't say his whole life, but his whole youth and, you know, nobody really knew what to do with him by the time, um, he was in high school. I mean, he was putting dudes in the hospital. He was the school bully. Um, everyone knew not to met, mess uh, with him. And it was just an interesting um, experience growing up watching that, right? But as, as, and he's, you know, he's one of the reasons why I'm an educator now, because I have such a heart to help um, these type of kids and these type of families who are really struggling with, you know, air quotes, challenging behavior or air quotes, challenging kids. Um, so here's my question. What what I found in my work is a lot of times, like the, the, the kids who are so challenging often have this really strong desire to lead and feel powerful. And it's so strong that they don't have the life skills to know how to do that in an appropriate way, often because it's modeled to them what power looks like in an inappropriate way, if we're being honest, right? Like the traditional approach is the consequences, the punishment, the heavy hand, the I will overpower you whether you like it or not, right? The hold downs, all that kind of stuff. So do you find that a lot of the the kids that you work with when you're talking about this intersection of like the demands and the life skills, is that one of them that you're like, yeah, this kid really likes to lead. This this kid really likes to be out in front. This kid wants to call the shots, so to speak. Do you find that at all in your work? Yeah, sure. Sometimes. And, you know, and often they're lacking, um, social skills, maybe uh, frustration tolerance skills to be able to channel it. And so that might be, you know, where the work sort of lies. Um, If you don't mind, if I could just comment on your, your, the story you shared. Yes. And and just to sort of make the point, because this is important for parents, because a lot of parents have heard that they are the reason their kid is challenging. Yeah. And that is not true. And you, you know, you said your brother, behaved, you know, big in school. Yeah. It sounds like you didn't. Did you, were you grow? did you grow up in the same household? Right. And so a, it, it is not what the research shows is that it is not, it's not hundred percent nature and it's not hundred percent nurture, of course, but what is yeah. the lead here is skills. All the other stuff factors in no doubt, but guess what? The, the, it's exacerbating. It's not causal. So causal is skills. And then whatever else happens around the kid is exacerbating. And so I want parents to hear that when you get blamed, you know, don't take it in. You know, I, I have two kids. Yeah. My daughter is the model student. And I get told and congratulated that she's the model student. And I don't say thank you. I say we're very lucky. And I'll tell right. you why. Because my son... <laughs> although he's doing better these days, he ain't the model student. <laughs> right? Yes. And I'm not taking the blame. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to take the credit for her. I'm not going to take the blame for him because she came here very skilled. He did not. Right. You know? Yep. And so he I has want- different skills, probably. He has oh, different he skills. Actually, yes. they are a little bit night and day, right? And yes. he needs, you know, we were working on him being more flexible in his thinking so he can handle it when a plan changes, which, by the way, I struggled with as a kid. 
And yep. unlike your brother, I wasn't hurting people over it. So it didn't quite get the attention. That's the thing, right? The squeaky wheels, right? I was more of a crier sulker, but that's still maladaptive behavior, right? And my parents didn't know. They didn't know to, you know, rather they thought, well, she likes her own way. Well, yeah. And so does everybody else, but that's not why I'm crying and sulking. I'm crying and sulking because I have my, my brain freezes when you change us, you know, we're going roller skating to the movies, which I actually liked better, but my, the, the gears just wouldn't turn. I didn't know how to navigate a change like that. Right. As an adult, after I found this model, I taught myself how to navigate changes like that because it still was a deficit, even in adulthood. Because <laughs> you turn 18, you don't magically get skills. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? That's what I love about being a teacher in this realm or a helper. Like, you know, we're in the same realm. We're helping, we're we're serving, we're teaching. You're you're you get to teach yourself, you get to learn, you get to practice, and it's a constant journey, right? Like right. that's what's so cool. I love it. Oh, and and for um for families or for parents listening like me who I like have a lower language level of awesome words, can you share with us what maladaptive means? Like oh, sure, what yeah. it, when you say the maladaptive behavior, what is a layman's way of understanding that? Uh, acting in a way that's not helpful and doesn't solve the problem. <laughs> okay. You know, and we say that there's a, we also call it looking bad <laughs> and there's a spectrum of looking bad. You know, what, what does one look like when they're in the water? Right. Um, Some of us are lucky and we are crier sulkers, others moving up that spectrum. And I'm not using spectrum in a diagnostic term. I'm just using it as like a lower to high, you know, moving up that spectrum. You know, maybe you have your yellers and swearers and then you move up the spectrum. Maybe you have your self-injurers, your runners, your aggressors hurting other people. Right. And so for us, and this was like mind blowing for me because I used to study behavior like antecedent and, you know, trigger and um, target of the behavior and frequency and duration and all that. That's out with this model. We're not focusing on behavior, all behavior it is. And this was hard to understand at first for me and for many others, but all behavior is, is a signal that there are unsolved problems due to lagging skills. It does not matter if it's crying and sulking or swearing and threatening or hurting or running or any of it. It doesn't actually matter. It's just that some kids are less lucky how they signal that they are struggling. And that can be really hard to understand, especially if you're a parent and you're, you know, as we were doing our, we have a podcast as well every month and the parent who called in or emailed in, I think, um, talking about how their house gets destroyed. That's really hard to live with. And that's a really huge signal that, that you're, you know, your kid is hitting challenges and see the thing about focusing on behavior, you miss things if you focus on behavior, because here's the thing, here's the thing, hitters hit. So they could be hitting for 18 different reasons. And you're going to miss all that nuance if you just focus on the hitting. So don't yeah. focus on the hitting, go back upstream, hitting's in the water, go upstream. What was happening? that push them in the water. That's, you know, that they're going help. I, I can't handle this. I don't know what's happening. I can't do any better. I wish I could. Cause frankly, the kid suffers the most. <laughs> We're suffering when your house gets destroyed, you are absolutely suffering. Right. And your child is suffering more because of everything you mentioned about the need to belong, the need to feel loved. All of that is not happening. Right. right. So they're suffering more. 
Oh, I love it. And as I think about just what you shared about, you know, becoming an adult and learning um, a life skill, I forget which one you said it was, but for me and my work, I found that that is such an important element of, yes, sometimes like my kids are night and day like yours, right? Like some got these skills and some did not. And they both like, it's like a yin and yin and yang, right? Like it's amazing how they all, they're, the skills that they got are incredible, but they are different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I like really just cementing the fact that if we can see it as a journey together, because oftentimes the life skill that they're lacking, even though it's not our fault, a lot of times for me and my work, what I see in families from all over the world is that if that life skill is missing in the kid, it's often missing in the adult too. So if a child is not able to express anger without yelling or hitting or hurt, hurts a good one with revenge misbehavior. A lot of the times I see that the the parent is not, has never been taught that life skill either, right? So it's not their fault, so to speak, but what a beautiful opportunity for them to receive that gift of learning a different way too, right? Would that, would you agree with that? Because I know it's, it's dicey to say it's not our fault, which it's not, right? And at the same time, I think there's a call to responsibility when you realize that you may have been modeling something um, that could have been picked up that you get to learn a new way with wonderful helpers like you. You know, sure. You know, they, you know, it's interesting. The research does not agree why kids lack skills. So sometimes it certainly what you said is definitely clear. Like in my house, I like to say that my, my, my daughter is my husband because she has beautiful skills, except when it comes to executive functioning, um, <laughs> where she's not super organized and that kind of thing. Right. And my son, very good with executive functioning, but he's rigid in his thinking like me around not handling change and stuff like that. Right. So, you know, in cases like that, yes, but sometimes kids lack skills and we have no idea why, you know, or sometimes they experienced a trauma or sometimes, but a lot of people want to say, well, it's always trauma, but it's not always trauma. So um, the good news is we don't have to be detectives in that sense to help kids solve problems and, in indirectly and informally build skills by doing that. Um, and, and the other thing you mentioned is the collaborative part, which is in the title of the model is key. This is not something you're doing to kids, even young ones. This is something you're doing with them, which also sort of repositions from being like adversaries, which traditional discipline actually does set us up to be adversaries with kids. Yep. Instead, we're standing side by side and we're partners. Which is a good thing because I think parents think they have to have all the answers. And if they are lacking a skill themselves, like if, you know, I'm talking to my son about, you know, getting some flexible thinking around a particular situation and I'm not so good at that, I don't have to be. You know, it's a a collaborative process. We're going to figure it out together. And if we have to ask for help, we will. But, you know, we're focused on solving tangible problems that come up in our day-to-day lives. You know, I'm not, I'm not focused on teaching the skill. I'm focused on solving the problems, which will actually give him strategies to help manage the lagging skill. Families, I have a question for you. Would you love to be able to set really strong boundaries and rules with your children and then follow through with consistency and firm kindness? If yes, listen up. I have a program called the Firm and Kind Parenting Blueprint that I'd love for you to go check out. You can learn more over at freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. 
kind. Inside of this quick, easy to finish program, I'll teach you four steps to really setting those strong roles, but then following through in a way where you're using connection and firm kindness. And what I'll teach you will actually cause your children to want to cooperate with you because they truly respect you and value the rule and the boundary and understand how it serves them, not just something that they have to do or else. And it's just an incredible feeling when you go to bed at night knowing that you followed through on the rules and the strong boundaries in your home without relying on hand-me-down parenting tactics like fear, force, threats, yelling, harsh punishments that really create usually fear in your household, right? We want our children to listen to us because they respect us and because they understand why being part of the team, cooperating well, respecting rules, all those things, why that feels good as a human being. We want to do those things um, in ways that cause our children to want to respect us, not just because they're scared of us or a consequence. And that's exactly what I'm going to teach you inside this program. So again, head on over to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind to learn more. But in under an hour, this program will teach you some really effective strategies on how to create agreements with your kids instead of compliance statements, which is where a lot of parents go wrong and why their children don't end up respecting the rules or the agreements that they've made. And then I'm going to teach you how to use empathy. I'll teach you how to engage your kids' critical thinking skills when you tell them to do something and they say no. And then I'm also going to encourage you to understand how to empower your children. When children feel empowered, especially strong-willed kids, they will cooperate a whole heck of a lot easier, okay? So I want you to go learn about this program and let me know if you have any questions, freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash firm and kind. Oh my gosh, Kim, that is all so beautiful. So beautifully said. Thank you. Oh my goodness. It almost gives me chills because it's so beautiful. Okay. <laughs> last point, And this is a big one. Parents are going to be like, what? This is all, you know, starting to talk a little bit more about why rewarding and punishing doesn't work. So our, your last point of wisdom that you're going to share with us today, if challenging behavior is set in motion by lagging skills and not lagging motivation, then it's easy to understand why rewarding and punishing a kid may not make things better. Since challenging behavior occurs in response to highly predictable unsolved problems, then the kids and the rest of us would be a whole lot better off if we tried to solve these problems collaborative, collaboratively and proactively. So tell us more about yeah. this. Oh, yeah. Most people kind of go, what are you talking about? Like our whole society is built on rewards and punishments. And, and we yeah. would say, take a look around. It doesn't actually work that well, you know, yeah. and I got a lot to say on this, but you know, one thing that I think makes a strong case is that um, in the state of Maine in youth detention, meaning jail for kids, um, they, this is going back a little over, over a decade now, they were noticing that they had high rates of um, restraint and seclusion and isolation and they were noticing that 82% of the time a kid discharged from jail, they returned. Wow. You so said 82? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Worst Holy number in the country. Smokes. Yeah. So if punishment, which they can do the highest form of punishment of anybody for a minor, right? Yep. They're coming back. Is it actually working? No. <laughs> no, it's not. So even... 
the highest form of this consequence thinking in youth detention in jail said, you know what, Dr. Green, can we work with you and learn how to think about kids differently and get proactive and collaborate with them and, and help them solve problems and teach them skills, right? I mean, it took time, don't get me wrong, but um, yeah. at last wow. check, their recidivism rate was down around 20%, the best numbers in the country. Oh, they closed an gosh. entire facility because they don't need it anymore. <gasps> so, oh, I just want to cry right now. That is so beautiful. Yeah, it's really, really good stuff. And so, you know, think about that when you're thinking of taking the leap because parents catch a lot of flack. What do you mean you don't consequence your kid? Yeah. Because people don't understand. Like, you know, and a lot of people say, well, you know, if I say turn off the TV or you get no TV for a week, my kid turns off the TV. Well, your kid has all the skills that was needed in that moment, flexibility, adaptability, frustration, tolerance, and problem solving to do that, right? I would also say that you're not teaching honesty because your kid's going to try to make sure you don't know that you're they're doing wrong things to try to avoid consequences. You're not teaching resolving disagreements without conflict. You're not teaching or modeling all of these skills that we like to say help land kids on the better side of human nature. Um, and, you know, like if you think about, or if you've read anything about what employers are looking for, like one of the top skills they want is collaboration. And if we're doing rewards and consequences, we're not collaborating. We're doing yep. adversaries, right? And if you watched the awful news yesterday, <laughs> we need yep. more collaboration <laughs> in this world, right? Um, so what else do I want to say about that? Um, so consequences tell a kid what you did, we did not like, but they knew it before they did it, right? Because you've said to your child, I expect that when I ask you to turn off the TV, you do. I expect you to take the trash out once a week. I expect, right? So you've laid out your expectations because that's how you exert your positive influence as a parent, right? Um, so when they don't meet an expectation, it's not because they didn't know, right? And kids do well if they can. They didn't wake up in the morning most of the time thinking at 1.15 today when my mother asked me to turn off the TV, I'm not going to do it. It's not typically right. what happens, right? And so if you, if you dole out a consequence, all you're teaching is what you did I didn't like, but they already knew that. <laughs> so, um, you know, you don't really need them. And in fact, consequencing gets in your way of your relationship with your kid. And your whole goal is to extinguish behavior, which you will do. You're just doing it a different way. You're using your power differently, right? And you're modeling all these skills that help kids land on the better side of human nature, right? Like my five-year-old, he is, he's hard work. And he has the phrase, um, help me solve the problem, which- Oh my gosh. So tell- I'm not saying he learned it overnight, <laughs> but, you know, it's cut down on him aggressing. It's cut down on a whole bunch of stuff. And when he's um, an adult, that's going to be really helpful, too, because if you think about it, like people say, well, isn't this a, a traditional world where we have to be able to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, right? Let's think about your life as an adult, how much do you rely on your yes, sir, yes, ma'am skills versus your collaborative problem solving, flexibility, conflict resolution skills, right? You're probably relying on those more than your yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Plus, if you do kind of run into a brick wall and you, you can't collaborate with somebody you're 
you know, maybe a boss at work or something like that, if that were to happen, um, you want to make sure your child has the flexibility skills, frustration, tolerance skills, problem solving skills to be able to deal with that. Right. Um, and not hurt anybody over. <laughs> so if you don't consequence your kids, it doesn't mean that you're not preparing them for the world out there. You're actually doing a better job of preparing them for the world out there because as I mentioned at the top of this conversation, when our kids in the residential program step down to less restrictive settings with less adults around with less consequences, they didn't have anything internal to help them. They relied completely on external structures to keep them in place. And so when those faded, they couldn't do it, right? So you're exactly. better preparing your child, right? For you know, no one's going to be consequencing them when they leave your house, right? And then people say, well, what about the police? It's not black and white there either. <laughs> like, right. you know, there's, there is, there, you know, there is the ability to try to problem solve and have a conversation as opposed to just yes, sir, yes, ma'am, right? And ultimately, if that's what you're running into, you want to be able to adapt to it <laughs> without falling in yeah. the water, right? So uh, that's my long spiel about that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I could talk to you for hours about this because it's so fascinating and so moving. And it, and it gives me so much hope for the future. You know, you referred to what happened in the news last night. So at the time of this recording, it's the night after the day after we had, you know, massive civil unrest on Capitol Hill in, our, in America's nation. And, you know, all of us are just heartbroken this morning. We're sad, we're scared, we're heartbroken. And it is to me as, as an educator in this space and, and oh, it just like <laughs> brings me to tears because I'm just so grateful for the work that you're doing because I don't see this just as a kid thing and as a family thing. Like this is what our world needs more of. And it's very clear that, um, you know, being under an authoritarian leadership style for the last few years, there's a lot of people who just don't know about this different way, right? They just never been taught. So they became very comfortable with an authoritarian type of leadership role, but um, you can you can sense that people will fight for it. They'll hang on to it and they'll say, but you have to punish, you have to overpower, you have to control, you have to. And, and we saw that, right? We saw that so clearly last night in this uprising that just resulted in such violence and aggression and, and um, just a really bad situation for our nation. And it just gives me so much hope to hear you explain this in such an eloquent beautiful way that it just doesn't work. We need collaboration. We need proactivity. There are so many more, you know, better ways to um, influence human beings to do what you want than to bust through doors and make people um, become comfortable saying yes, sir, and yes, ma'am. And that applies to our children. That applies to our communities, our schools, our leaders. Um, and I just think it's 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 really beautiful. So thank you for sharing all that. And you know, I, I see it in my parents all the time. It, it can take it can take years to become um, more comfortable with doing it differently than how you were raised, right? Because I think the majority of us were raised mm -hmm. with a yes sir, yes ma'am, authoritarian approach where it's my way or the highway. And if you don't do what's told, you're either going to get hurt or you're going to get punished in a way that's going to sting somehow, whether it's your mental, your heart, <laughs> your butt, whatever it is, like it's going to hurt. And so those of us who are adults and we, we listen to these beautiful science-backed, research-backed um, strategies that you bring to the table, it can be uncomfortable. Um, but I would encourage listeners to just re-listen to this. And if you sense yourself fighting it, 
just know that of course you are because it's been, you know, you've been conditioned to think that you had to do it a different way. Um, you had to do it the way that's always been done, but here is just this beautiful different way. And I love that you guys have so much research behind it too. And, and you, you mentioned, um, Kim, that you've worked with police. How beautiful would that be to get your programs out to more and more, um, police force? I know I have a brother-in-law who's, um, who's in the police force and he's amazing, but he was just sharing with us over Thanksgiving, how they're just struggling. They are struggling right now. This has been such a hard year for the police force and, and what a blessing it would be to have um, some type of national funding to bring in your programs. I mean, talk about restraints, like how, what a blessing if we could get this model into their hands so they could learn a different way because, um, I've always thought, I've always thought that like, to me, I see everything through a parenting lens, but I also see how it applies with real life stuff. Like years ago, my my little boy must've been two. I got stopped by a police officer um, for breaking the law. I took a right where I shouldn't have taken a right. And he reamed me so hard. And um, it was just one of those situations that I thought back then um, after I was super pissed, to be honest, but I thought later, later that week, I thought, gosh, we need more support for these incredible servicemen and women. Like they need to hear more of this. So I'm going to manifest that, that your programs are going to get to into more of the hands of police force. Cause I think that would be, and I'm going to make sure I tell my brother-in-law about your work because that might be really good to somehow put in his ear. We would, we would love that. That would be, it would be incredible, but I know everybody's kind of stretched and, you know, yeah, but it would be nice. It would be real nice because the world needs more collaboration and understanding and seeking to understand. Um, there's another phrase I heard. It's not actually part of the model, but I like it so much that all behavior makes sense given enough information. And when we seek to understand another's perspective, which, by the way, is also key to have a multicultural lens you know, that I'm going to have my perspective given how I moved through the world and how I grew up and somebody else is going to have a different perspective if they have a different color skin or grew up in a different part of the world, whatever it might be. And so seeking to understand and, you know, in our model, um, because traditionally our perspective as adults outweighs the kid's perspective. And in our model, they're given equal weight, which also is helpful to take a multicultural lens into account that, you know, my way is not just better because I'm comfortable with it and it's my way, you know, that we both have a valid perspective and we need to seek to understand each other so that we can come to some common ground of how we're going to move forward. Uh, It's a beautiful thing, beautiful thing. And um, when I was a manager of a clinical department a long time ago, and I started using this model with my supervisees and it made me a much nicer, more effective manager rather than doing the verbal warning, written warning, termination, you know, like, fill me in. How come it's been hard to get here on time? I'm not dropping that you have to be here on time. I'm trying to understand where you're at. I'm going to tell you where I'm at and we're going to see what we can figure out that works for both of us. I'm giving nothing up as the person in power. You know, we like to say you're you're the co-pilot of this plane. You have a say in where it lands. Um, You just don't know where it's landing when you enter the conversation because you got to be open to hearing and to the dialogue. So- Oh my goodness. It's so good. So good, Kim. Thank you so much for sharing all this beautiful wisdom with our listeners today. Um, I could talk to you for hours and I just have to pinch myself so often that 
I get to do this. Like hosting this podcast is one of my favorite things ever because I get to meet incredible helpers in the world like you. So thank you for the work that you've done over the last uh, decades. Thank you for the work that you're doing that you will continue to do. Thank you for being a light in our world. Finish us off with um, letting listeners know where they can find you um, and learn more about this model. I know you mentioned it earlier. We'll make sure we put it in the show notes, but um, just let us know where they can find you. Yeah. um, Our nonprofit website is livesinthebalance.org. And on the homepage, you'll find CPS resources. CPS is the initials of the model. And then you can, if you're a parent, you can go to parents. Um, And then there's all the free resources we have for parents, including what's called the walking tour of the whole model in audio and uh, video and downloadable stuff. So um, there's also some community forums and things like that that you'll find there. And thank you as well for the work that you're doing. Appreciate you having me today. Thank you so much, Kim. For links and more information about everything we talked about in today's episode, head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash 66. For more information, go to freshstartfamilyonline.com. Thanks for listening, families. Have a great day. All right, listeners, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. As we wrap up here, don't forget to DM me the word shift or head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to grab your free discipline quick start learning bundle. You'll get immediate access to download our extensive learning guide where I'll share five ways you can ditch the old school hand-me-down punishment mindset beliefs and thoughts that are causing you to react like a volcano instead of respond like the firm, kind, respectful teacher you are at your core. And then you'll also get immediate access to my on-demand workshop where I'll teach you our three core Fresh Start family strategies that make up a strong, compassionate, disciplined toolkit, as well as my favorite logical consequences that not only work with kids of all ages, but do wonders to unite you with your child and strengthen your relationship, even in your kids' worst moments. So pop on over to Instagram right now and just shoot me a DM with the word shift and I'll send you a personal link to download that bundle right away. Or you can head to freshstartfamilyonline.com forward slash discipline to get access immediately. All right. Thanks for listening and I'll see you inside that free bundle and also inside the next episode.